All right, let's turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis, the 12th chapter. If you turn there with me, I would appreciate that. We're going to continue our Kingdom Builders series this month. What a tremendous year. We've had uh, our first year of Kingdom Builders last year. In September, we began to talk about what is Kingdom Builders. We launched a brand new ministry. What is Kingdom Builders? It's a revenue stream connected to the vision of our church. It's a giving. It's a faith commitment over and above our tithing. It's an offering that we have given ourselves time to pray about, talk to the Lord, choose what God would have us to do, make a faith response to that. Last year in our first year, $242,000 were given to Kingdom Builders. Come on, let's thank God for that. What an amazing gift to build the kingdom. Kingdom Builders does three things. What do we target with Kingdom Builders? Number one, it's local and global missions. We start locally right here with our dream centers, with outreach, and we reach to the nations, uh, local and global missions. The second thing we do is connected to training up the next generation of young Christian leaders, our interns and other ministries, developing young leaders. And then the third area is the developing, the equipping, and enabling the local church here, the mother church, uh, to be able to have growth and impact in the region. So those three things we do with Kingdom Builders, it's been a very successful year. Thousands of lives have been impacted and changed around the world. So we, we launched that last year, Kingdom Builders. We, we began to define that last September. We, we understood it. We made our goals. And this year has been amazing. We are now in this September uh, celebrating what God has done looking forward to what he's going to do next. We'll, we will, the first Sunday of October, make our faith commitments, faith pledges. It's an exciting day of what we believe God has told us that he's going to do through our lives uh, financially for this next year coming up. So it's just a super time. We're thankful for the reports, the miracles, the blessings that have happened, and excited that God has given us an opportunity to do that. Before I begin reading here out of Genesis 12, let me just encourage you on your way out today through the commons area, slow down, take some time. Uh, we're, we're also giving you a chance this month to see some of our ministry opportunities. Our life and ministry tables are there. Uh, the signage is there. You can pick up information. You can leave your information for follow-up. Uh, and we would just love for you to hear about what's going on. Ladies, uh, our women's ministry uh, here at Calvary is called Valley Girls. We're for the whole Tennessee Valley. Ladies, a, a great opportunity to connect Get involved this Saturday, hear about what's happening over the next few months. Men's ministry, our guys are going on a statewide retreat this weekend. Over 500 men from around the state are gathering together for the men's conference. There's so many opportunities and places to connect. Wednesday nights, we're doing a series called Got Questions, where we're taking your top questions, the things that you really want to know about as a believer in, in culture today, answering those. We've even got a live text uh, set up during Wednesday nights where you can ask questions in real time while we're going through that. New boys and girls ministries are happening on Wednesday. So we want you to know about those things and, and make sure you get involved and, and take advantage of what's going on in the house. Uh, but during September, we're not just looking about what goes on in the house. We're looking at the harvest field. What's going on around us? What's the heart of God? What's our assignment? Jesus' last directive before he told us how to be empowered uh, in Matthew 28, he said, we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, you know, I, have, I listen to some Christians, and that's almost like, wow, 
That's a heavy thing. It's a, it's a burden. It's a responsibility. You know, Pastor, I've got life going on. I'm going to work. I'm raising a family. And, and, and then, you know, you want us to pray and think about engaging our culture locally and spreading the gospel around the world. Do I really need to add that to my life? Is that something I really need to do? Well, the Bible says yes. Let me tell you what happens before we read some scriptures. I wanted you to go to Genesis 12. I want to show you something very encouraging. When you catch the heart of God, when you say yes to God's priorities, it begins, as I shared a moment ago, it begins to order your life. It begins to bless your life. I think there's so many Christians and so many churches that they stop short of God's highest blessing of living life at a higher plane because we just become self-focused. But watch what happens when we connect to that which God is blessing. In Genesis 12, verse 1, now this is a call of Abraham. Here, his name's Abram. It's not been changed. We're familiar with Abraham, but watch this. Genesis 12, 1. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. His call to go to the promised land. Watch the promise of God here. I want you to see this. Verse 2, he says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. Now, Abraham, or Abram at this time, was 75 years old. His wife, Sarah, was 65 years old. They had been married for a long time, and their marriage had never produced a child. And God comes to this man who is a card-carrying AARP member. He's been around a while. I mean, he and Sarah are using their, you know, senior discounts at McDonald's already. They, they, it's, it's going for them. And he says, Abram, if you will do what I tell you, you're going to be the father of a great nation. He's God, that, that ship has sailed. We, we, we've missed that opportunity. And this is what he said to him. He said, I will notice the verbiage. He didn't say you are a great nation. He did not say you have a big family. He said, I will make you into a great nation. In other words, he says, Abram, if you'll begin to walk with me, if you'll begin to trust me, if you'll begin to honor me, he said, I'm going to make you something that you're currently not able to do. How many of you would say today, I'm thankful I'm not the person I used to be. Anybody join your pastor in that? Man, I'm glad for that. My family's glad for that. Everybody's glad. I'm thankful I'm not the person I was before I was saved. That's good news, isn't it? Isn't that a great statement? I'm not who I used to be. But can I give you another great statement? It's as exciting as that one. I'm not yet who I'm going to be. Anybody in that category yet? We're under construction. And this is what God said to Abram. He said, Abram, if you'll walk with me, I'm going to make something out of you. How many are thankful you're still under construction right now? Yeah. He said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. But watch this. And I will bless you. I'll make your name great. And you'll be a blessing. But I want you to notice verse 3. This is critical. This is why kingdom builders is a gift to us. Oh, we're doing great things and we're giving. But I want you to see the gift kingdom builders is to you individually and our church corporately. He says in verse 3 to Abram, I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You realize I call that uh, blessed by belonging. What does that mean? He said to Abram, Abram, if you will do what I want you to do. It's as if he says to a church today, if you'll take up my heart, if you'll fulfill my will, 
If you'll be my channels, he, how did he tell us to pray? Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, we have too much Christianity that's sweet by and by Christianity. You ever heard that message all your life? In other words, hang on now. When you get to heaven, it'll be okay. Life's going to be rough, but heaven's going to be good. That was, that was it. Can I tell you, heaven is going to be great. How many want to go to heaven? How many want? You should all raise your hand because there's only one other alternative. I'm, I'm advising you take the heaven side. So let me ask you again. How many of you want to go to heaven? I mean, even, even the crack addicts want to go to heaven. Come on. I mean, you know, everybody wants to go to heaven. All right. The devil wishes he was going to go to heaven, but it's too late for him. He was there and lost. That's another sermon. All right. Listen. So heaven is going to be awesome. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Greater than we can imagine. Bigger than we could ever under that we could ever estimate. It's, it's going to be amazing. But can I tell you something? God is good right now. God is powerful right now. God is able right now. If he's going to dry your tears in heaven, he can dry some tears right now. Are you thankful for that? He's a real God now. And so the gospel is not just hold on and someday it's going to be good. The gospel is God wants to walk into your life today and bring his blessing in your life and bring order to your life. Heaven is going to be amazing. We're going to see God do some great things. But guys, we have a job to do right now. We have a privilege and we connect with the heart of God. And we let other people know about the blessing of God. God says, if you will bless Abraham, you're going to be blessed. In other words, if you find a church that not only loves God, but loves people. If this church will do what God is blessing, you know what he says will happen? He's going to bless you. If wherever you belong, that blessing comes on your life. I've heard someone say, if you show me your friends, I can show you your future. How many know that's true? Huh? Is that true? So I want you to, let's, let's pause for a minute. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about your friends. Who are the people you hang with? Who do you choose your friends? Not your coworkers, family, your friends. If you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. See, there's something that, that we find here. I'm blessed by belonging. What I belong to, what I connect with, what I engage with. When I say yes to the heart of God, when, when I'm a part of a church that's doing something God wants us to do, when we're taking care of kingdom builders, God says, there's a blessing. Abraham's blessing is on you. The blessing on the church comes on your family. Now, let me be very clear from the beginning. Hey, Calvary Assembly, not the only church doing something for God around North Alabama. How many are thankful for every one of the churches that are here in North Alabama doing the work of God? Come on, let's thank God for the family of God. Thank God. Man, I'm glad to just be on the team. What about you? I'm glad to be on the team. I'm thankful. In fact, I shared with the 9 o'clock uh, congregation on the way to church this morning. I pulled up to a stoplight, and I uh, looked over there to my right, and there's one of my pastor buddies. He's going to his church. And he rolls down his window, and I roll down my window. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? And he says, man, we're going go, to do church today. Yeah. So we're, we're speaking blessings back and forth over each other. I didn't say, God, give me more than him today. Our God, bless our church. Don't bless. Man, we're just blessing. I bet, I thought later, I bet people thought we were having road rage. I mean, we're rolling the windows down. I'm yelling over to him. He's yelling back at me, but we're yelling blessings. I bless you. Thank you. I bless you back. Have a good day. Have a great day. We just drive by blessings. It wasn't road rage. It was road blessing in Jesus' name. Huh? Why? We're on the same team. I was excited to see him. His last thing he said, driving off, I don't think this is a coincidence today. I said, I don't either. So, you know. It's good stuff. Why? We're on the same team. I love him. I love his church. I love what God's doing there. But this is what I know. You're going to be blessed by what you belong to. Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless those who bless you. Calvary, 
You know what he's saying to his church today? There's a world that needs Jesus. And if you'll bless them, I'll bless you. You realize that by our willingness to be kingdom builders, to be the vessels that he comes through, we release the blessing of God on our lives. It's amazing. Let's go to Matthew chapter 9 because these are some of the passages we've been really basing our, our journey off this month. Matthew 9 and verse number 35. I want you to turn there with me, please. This, this passage in Matthew 9 refers to the, the uh, harvest and how it's plentiful. There's a harvest. It's everywhere around us. Do you know this morning, a conservative number, that in a 30-minute drive from where you're sitting right now are 200,000 people that are not walking in relationship with Jesus Christ? Did you know that? In North Alabama, 200,000. They're not mean people. They're not bad people. They're not devil people. They're lost folks. Somewhere they disconnected. Somewhere they lost their way. Somewhere they were hurt. Somewhere life turned the other way. An increasing number never heard about Jesus. A lot of people once walked with him and walked away. 200,000 people in 30 minutes from where we are that desperately need someone to connect them to Jesus Christ. That's our harvest field. It's everywhere. It's around the world. But it's right here where we live. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. That's the gospel. That's the church. That's who he was. That's who we are. But notice what happens. Verse 35, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus saw the crowds, listen, he wasn't indifferent it wasn't, well, you know, uh, uh, some, some uh, what should I say, some dodge the issue predestination. Well, if they're going to get saved, they're going to get saved. They're not, they're not. No, he looked at their lostness and their harassment and their pain, and it moved him. He was moved by what he saw. He was touched by what he saw. He had compassion on this world that God sent him to, and it, it did something for him. And, and notice his response. He looks at that. He looks at everything around him. He looks at you and me and, and, and what life is like without him. And he said, the harvest is plentiful. There's harvest everywhere. Everywhere you turn, there are people that desperately need to know this incredible Jesus that you and I know. He said, the problem's not a harvest. Even in our culture today, let me tell you, people aren't turned off to God. They, they're, they're confused about God. People may not want to come to church, and I'll tell you the only reason they don't want to come to church because the church has done a pitiful job of telling the truth about Jesus, and the world has done a great job of telling a lie about Jesus. So we don't need to change the message. We just need to change our method. We need to get the truth to them. He says the harvest is everywhere, but he said, I don't have enough people going. You know what Jesus did when he saw the harvest? Listen to me. He didn't turn around and say, hey, I got this. You watch me. He didn't say, watch me do the harvest. He said, come help me get this harvest in. That's what he turned and said. He said, look at this. Look at these guys. See, Jesus wasn't a one-man show. He didn't say he could do it. The amazing thing to me is that Jesus moved with compassion, God himself looked at this earth and said, I need your help. It's amazing. He said, pray for workers. We've got to have workers. 
The next verse, he says, pray, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He was praying for you and me. He was praying for churches to go through a journey like we are this September and think about, pray about, let God talk to us about the incredible privilege of connecting to his plan, of living life bigger than ourselves, of realizing that God's just looking for opportunities to send you and I as an answer into the harvest field. And what we have to realize is that's not just a burden and a responsibility and a heavy thing. Oh, no, that's a privilege to work with the heart of God. And what does God say? Just like he told Abram. He said, you know what? You do what I bless, and I'm going to bless you. You bless my work, I'm going to bless you. I call it anointing by association. Hey, if you look at your friends and they'll tell you your future, I want to have some really good friends. What about you? I want to have some really good associations in my life. You know what? I want to have some people that are better than me. How many hear what I'm saying? I want some people who are farther along with me in my spiritual journey. I don't want somebody always telling me, oh, it's okay. Oh, it's okay. That doesn't matter. That's all right. I do that too. No, I want somebody in my life saying, come on, let's go after God. Come on, let's push a little harder. Am I the only one? Anybody else feel that way? I want somebody pulling me, stretching me, calling me to to greater things with God because that association is going to bring God's anointing. See, when I look at the harvest field, I'm thinking about a a couple of things. So let's let's make it very real. I want to make this something that uh, is is, uh, up close home. I want to look at one of our couples here. This is Joel and Caitlin Rath. These are not just some missionaries. I don't think anybody's just some missionaries. Missionaries are my heroes, by the way. You may have posters on your wall of other things, but missionaries are my heroes. This is Joel and Caitlin Rath. Joel and Caitlin grew up at Calvary. This is their church. And these are handsome and beautiful young man and young lady and they're college educated and they're smart and they're creative they're amazing they could do anything they wanted to do but they said yes to God and that picture they're taking is not posed at a uh, you know local photography studio with a nice backdrop their, their backdrop is a mud hut in Zambia Africa you know Joel and Caitlin we helped send them there we're part of their team and so Joel and Caitlin were uh Living life, the Spirit of God touched them, called them to be missionaries, to go to places that needed the gospel desperately because there's a harvest field locally and around the world. And we're so blessed to get to be a part of this. So I want you to see the next picture. It's a, it's a little difficult to see just because of the way we're here, but go ahead and, and let me see the Bible picture. What, what this is, I wish you could see it. You could go on their Facebook and it's really clear. It's a little tough here. But this, this, they're holding a Bible. This is the Bible in the, in the uh, language there. That's the translation. And that's the dashboard and then that's the bush right outside the windshield of the car. They're holding it up. And, th- and this is what we, we read about uh, with this post from Joel and Caitlin. Get this. He said, this week we gave away more Bibles. We gave away more Bibles. Where'd the Bibles come from? kingdom builders look at somebody next to you and give them a high five right now so they gave away more bibles see we we come on you don't make me talk about participation trophies i'm gonna we i'm gonna give you one more shot i want you to give somebody a high five and act like you mean it all right don't hurt anybody but there you go okay so we're not there but they are and 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 we didn't hand the bible out but we bought them. Come on, anybody blessed by that? 
All right, so, so listen to this. They said, this week we gave away more Bibles. I completely took for granted, this is Caitlin writing, uh, knowing how to use one, how to look up verses, table of contents, etc. They had no idea. So after we gave out the Bibles in their language, Bibles, we spent the entire, we spent the entire Bible study teaching them how to use their Bible, walking them through the Bible to give them a basic summary of what each book in the Bible means. They were excited and were very grateful for their first Bible, their first Bible that Joel and Caitlin Rath gave to them in Zambia, in a village, in the bush. And we helped buy those Bibles. And I'm excited about that because Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. We just need somebody to go. And what Joel and Caitlin did in handing out the Bible and being Jesus' hands and feet there couldn't have done unless you and I sent them there. So what you did was a part of what they did that day and giving somebody their first Bible on the other side of the earth. Come on, I'm thankful that God has us doing kingdom building. But it gets better because I want you to go, go to this next picture because this happened that same week. This, this is, uh, now, now there's your uh, deluxe worship center in the bush, all right? So here's later in the week, okay? Listen to this. Thursday, we were at one of our regular Bible studies when a group of ladies walked by. One of them came up to us angrily yelling and lozy. That's the local language. Yelling at them, Okay? And so, Caitlin uh, says, I thought, what in the world have we done to make this lady so mad? This lady's just yelling. So then she swapped and started yelling in English. I guess she realized, you know, it's no fun to yell at somebody. They don't know what you're yelling. I mean, that's true. I mean, it's no fun to be mad at somebody and bless them out if they don't know what you're saying. So she shifts to English. And what she was yelling at them angrily was this. She said, we need the word of God too. And I cannot walk all the way here every time. I'm visiting this village for my village. I just found out about this Bible study. Why can't we have the word of God too? Why aren't you in our village? She said, we laughed and told her we'd be happy to come uh, bring the word to her village. But we'd never heard of her village before. We told her that if she gave us directions to her village, we would start coming. She left very happy, thanking us. It was hilarious and sort of ridiculous, but also awesome to be asked to come and minister in a place that we had never heard of. So they're, they're mad because somebody bring me the gospel. Somebody bring us a Bible. The harvest is plentiful. But we don't have enough workers to get to this thing. See, there's what I love. So why are we going to do kingdom builders again? I told you this would be an annual thing. So pastor, we had a great first year. Let's just pat ourselves on the back and, and, and say that was awesome and enough's enough. So why are we going to do it again? Because there's always one more village. Because there's always one more person that hadn't read a Bible yet. Because if we give, God can call uh, Caitlin and Joel, God can call us to help them get there. God can help us put Bibles in their hands. God can help us be encouraged, help encourage them one more time. You see, we keep finding that although God is moving and great things are happening, what do we see? There are people that need the gospel. And when we are a part of that, it takes our lives to another level. So Matthew chapter 9 says there's a big harvest. I want you to go to John chapter 4 and verse 34. John 4, 34. Because it tells us that not only is there a harvest, John 4, it tells us the harvest has an urgency. An urgency about the harvest. John chapter 4 and verse 34. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and 
finish his work. And there's an urgency. He said, my, my food. You know what happens when you don't have food? You get urgent. Don't we get urgent around here? Some of you got up late and didn't eat breakfast and you're feeling urgent to have lunch today. Have you ever realized nobody has to tell you to eat? Have you ever thought about that? In fact, we have a word, a new word in our American vocabulary called hangry. You ever heard of hangry? That's what happens when you're hungry, you get angry. You're hangry. The sad thing about that is that word wouldn't make sense in 80% of the globe. They don't have enough food to know what that means. You and I get angry. If we get hungry, we get hangry. But what happens when you eat? I want you to get this. Because when you eat, you're satisfied, right? You're full. It's good. You know what happens when we do the will of the Father? We're satisfied. We're full. It's good. If I spend my life on trivialities, if I never live my life bigger than myself, I will always be empty to some degree. But when you begin to do the will of God, there's a fullness that comes in your life. There's a satisfaction that comes in your life. And when someone gives us the opportunity to live our life at that level, we should thank God for that opportunity. Are you with me, church family? So he says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. How do we finish the work? We get the gospel to the harvest field. He says... Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. He said, don't say four months. It's ready right now. I've got a slide I want you to see. And it was an encounter I had. Uh, this is a tomato harvest. I want you to look. This is a, just a field. There was a place I went in my first ministry position. I was a summer youth pastor. The little church is in Warren, Arkansas, in Bradley County, Arkansas. And I encountered something there that I'd never witnessed in my life. Never seen anything like it. Please don't do it now. This afternoon, you can check me out. Google this, and you'll, if you'll Google Bradley County, Arkansas, it's the tomato capital of the U.S. Thousands of acres of tomato plant. I didn't know that. I'd never seen that. And so, so here's the tomato harvest, and I'm there, and I'm the youth pastor at the church. Just a summer intern, the church couldn't afford a youth pastor all the time. I was excited about my first ministry position, and, 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 I, and I'm there, and I walk in the church one Sunday. Things are going well, and one Sunday morning here in the, in the summer, I walk in, and I look around. I'm like, dear Jesus, where where'd everybody go? I mean, it was only a third of the congregation came to church that day. I looked at the pastor. I said, what happened? I was like, man, can you lose a church in a week? What, what, what happened, pastor? He says, okay, George. I said, what happened? He said, it's the tomato harvest. I said, what does that mean? He said, well, it's a tomato harvest. And what I didn't know, I'd never been in a place where not only a city but a whole county, the economy was based off of one harvest once a year. And they took me out to the tomato fields, and that's what it looked like. Rows and rows and rows and rows and thousands of acres of big tomatoes ready for the harvest. And what had happened was this, is that in Bradley County, Arkansas, the, t the tomato capital of the world, of the United States, I don't want to say the world, United States, is that when the harvest comes in, there's an urgency. You can't say, we're going to wait four months and go get those tomatoes. You can't say, oh, we'll get to it. What happens? It was an amazing thing. It was, it was awesome to find the urgency of the harvest. Everybody dropped everything 
and started picking tomatoes. You know why? Because if you didn't get the harvest in, it was going to die. You only had a window. I'd never seen anything like it. People worked seven days a week from sunup to sundown. The school teachers that taught during the year were out gathering tomatoes. The professionals were out gathering tomatoes. The boys and the girls were out gathering tomatoes. Grandma and grandpa were hobbling along the line and getting tomatoes. I'd never seen anything like it in my life. Everybody on the same team. Everybody working hard. Everybody focused. I, was, I, I said, Pastor, what are we going to do? Nobody came to church. He said, it's all right, George. And I said, what about next Sunday? He said, they're not going to come back next Sunday either. I said, well, what are we going to do? He, and he told me, it's okay. It's going to be okay. I said, why are you so chilled out about two-thirds of the church not coming? He said, because at the end of the tomato harvest, everybody gets paid. I said, oh. He said, we're going to have a big tide day coming in. He said, it's going to be all right. You just relax, George, and watch it. So I'm watching these people work. And I began to be amazed about what John 4 says, is that you can't wait four months for some things. The harvest says you have to do it now during your window of opportunity. You've got to go at it while you can. You've got to get this harvest while it's here. And everybody got involved. Now, I, I had a problem because, see, here's the, uh, the tomato capital of the United States. And all they can think about is gathering tomatoes. And from them, the greatest thing in the world is a tomato. In fact, look at this next picture. It, it's true. They even painted a giant tomato in the city square. That's a tomato. Look, this is Bradley County across the top. I mean, these people are tomato crazy. And here's my problem. I don't like tomatoes. So I told pastor, I said, pastor, I don't like tomatoes. He said, he turned white. He said, you don't like tomatoes. I said, no, sir, I really hate tomatoes. He said, don't ever say that again. In Bradley County, Arkansas, you can't say that. I said, yes, sir. I never said it. I'm sorry. He said, when people, they're going to bring you tomatoes. I said, yes, sir. He said, you take their tomatoes. Do you hear me? I said, yes, sir. I said, what do I do with them? He said, you give them to me. You do anything with them. But don't you ever tell anybody in this church that you don't like tomatoes. And when they bring them, you better take those tomatoes. I said, yes, sir. I will do that. And after the harvest, people came back to church. And you know what happened? I, it, it was one of the coolest things. There was a camaraderie. There was a unity. You know what? It didn't care, they didn't care you know, what age you were. They didn't care about ethnicity and race and languages. I'm going to tell you, in that tomato harvest, they could have cared less what clothes you had, what you looked like, what age you were, what the color of your skin. If you could speak English or any other language, they were just gathering tomatoes. It, it was awesome. And I thought, God, that's the church. We should be like that. A, a harvest will laser focus what's important. It, the urgency of the moment, it's, it's like this. Uh, you know, we have two dream centers that God has wonderfully blessed us with, and we're reaching out to, to, to those people that are hungry and, uh, and, and disenfranchised, and, and we have residential drug and alcohol. They're not treatment centers. They are restoration ministries where God is putting men and women's lives back together. But, but let me tell you what happens here. As we're working through this, Pastor Bill Hines, who was one of our staff pastors who went to Bessemer and started the foundry, one of the largest uh, drug and alcohol Christian recovery ministries in America, Pastor Bill started that. But he told me a few years ago, he said, Pastor, we finally stopped keeping the number because it became too overwhelming. But he said, we were trying to keep up with the guys and ladies who had come in the program and then left before they finished, who had had a chance to have their life changed. But they were discouraged and left. And he said, when the number of 200 that had died, we just quit counting. 
200 that had been there that were almost harvested, that had an opportunity to change their life. They died. 200. He said, we just kept counting. We just stopped. And see, church family, typically the church fails to see the harvest. We, we get all urgent on the end of it. We, we got to do something for the attic. We do, we do, we do. We've got to help them. We're doing that. We've got to help people. There's an opioid explosion in North Alabama. Did you know that? That, that our ambulance services are not having enough time to do their normal pickups and emergency service because of all the drug overdoses right here in North Alabama. The hospitals have had to reorder the antidote you give to a person with an opioid overdose because of the urgency and the crisis we're in. And we can see that and and we get motivated and we can do something about it. But what I fear the church is missing is that yes, there's a harvest and yes, we have to be after it. And yes, it's urgent. We have to save every life we can. But why don't we become urgent on the front end of the harvest? What about bringing boys and girls to Jesus Christ and seeing them saved before they ever get started in their addiction? Is anybody with me on that? Why can't we become motivated and urgent and say, wait a minute why can't we draw a line and say no more kids on drugs no more overdose no more opioid crisis we we can't change everybody but we can change a lot you see there's an urgency that we must do what we can this this it changed my life seeing that tomato harvest in that little uh town in bradley county arkansas by the way for you Alabama fans, that's the county next to where Bear Bryant grew up and where he got his nickname of wrestling a bear at the county fair. Okay, don't get too excited about it, right? No slang in church, all right? So we. But I want you to go to Isaiah 54. I want to look at this passage. We're going to close with this today. Isaiah 54. Because you see, what we see happening... The harvest where Joel and Caitlin are around the world. The harvest right here where we are. Isaiah 54 is everywhere if we'll look. And there's an urgency. We, we can't say four months. What about today? What about the boys and girls that are finding Christ in our children's ministries right now while we're in here? What about the middle school students that are finding Christ right now while we're in here? What about the high school students that will come to Christ tonight in this room with their service? What about the person that works next to me, sits next to me in class, lives next to me in my neighborhood? Pastor, God says the harvest is everywhere and his prayer is that we don't watch him do it, but that we go to work with him. He needs us. His prayer, the prayer from heaven is God connects some people to the heart of God and God says, I'm going to bless that. I'm going to bless that. You see, Isaiah 54 is, is, is really a picture of, of what God's saying to us. It's what we're doing in September. We're, we're allowing the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to the harvest. We're allowing the Holy Spirit to talk to us about our role in the harvest, and even to the point about what are we going to do in this next year? God, what do you want me to do? What, what's my faith pledge going to be? You say, is, is anybody too small to be involved? Oh, no. Is anybody too big? Oh, no, no. It's going to take everybody to do what God wants us to do. And what a picture here. Look at this, Isaiah 54, 1. Here was a lady overwhelmed with what she did not have. Overwhelmed at her lack. And God stepped in and said, hey, 
I'm going to show you something when I get involved. Isaiah 54, 1, single barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who are never in labor because more the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. It's, it's, that's physically impossible, but it's miraculously able when God gets involved. Here's a lady discouraged. She'd never conceived a child. She'd never birthed a baby. And she was concerned. And, and, and the Bible says it's going to be okay. You're going to have more children than you can imagine. I don't know how that was going to happen. I guess it was the first orphanage, but kids were coming because God said, I'm in it. Let's keep reading. He says, this is what I want you to do. Look at this. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth. And remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. This lady evidently had been married because he says you're going to forget your widowhood. And then she also, even though at one time she was married before her husband died, they had not been able to have children, just like Abraham and Sarah. And she's desperate and she says, God, I don't have a family and, and I don't have a husband and I, I'll never have children and I feel desolate and I'm barren. What am I going to do? And you know what God said to her? God said, I'm willing to step into your situation. I'm willing to walk right into where you are. In fact, he said, ma'am, this is what I want you to do. A good church family, look at verse 2. He says, I want you to enlarge the place of your tent. I want you to stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stake. I want to show you a picture of a tent. You know what a tent looks like. But I have one here I want you to see. Here's a tent. If you'll kind of dim these lights a little so you can see it. It's just an ordinary tent. It's canvas and, 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 and stake and rope. And th these things are here. But that's not just any tent. You know what tent that is? That's the tent that Joel and Caitlin live in. That's their tent. That's their home. Right there. That's their home in Zambia. That's it. You know, I think God stretched them a little bit. What do you think? Caitlin falls in love with a young man named Joel. Except Joel's called to missions and ministry. And if Caitlin's going to marry Joel, Caitlin's going to get to be a missionary. So before they married and they were engaged, she went over to see his world to make sure. She talked to Phyllis and I, and of course her family and others, and, and, and we said, uh, you know, Caitlin, I know love is blind, but you better get both eyes open on this thing. And you, you better pay attention to what you're doing. And she did. And you know what? God stretched her. Pulled her from where she was in a comfortable place in North Alabama, the family that loved her and the church that loved her and all the things that we enjoy. And he said, I'm going to stretch you, Caitlin. And she said, yes. And then, and, and she sent Phyllis some pictures of some pretty big bugs running around over there. Jumping bugs. That's even worse. And it, come on, that's kind of creepy. And it, it's bad enough for a bug to run. But when they're big as my hand and they jump, that's creepy. Okay, anyway. So, Caitlin's being stretched. But she had a pretty big smile in that picture there. 
And then what about Joel? Was Joel being stressed? Hey, Joel, he's already there, and now he's got his wife has come with him. It's good. No, you, you know what it's like as a new husband. You want to take care of your wife. You want to have a nice place for her. You want to protect her. You want her to feel safe. You know what that's like, guys. So God's stretching old Joel, too, because this isn't exactly, you know, the honeymoon <laughs> haven they're living in there. Not exactly, you know, the cruise. It's not the fancy five-star hotel. It's a tent in the bush in Zambia. And if you want to have a soaking tub whirlpool experience, you've got to go get in the river and let the current come by. And if you want to take a shower, you go stand out in the rain. And if you want electricity, you turn on the generator. But you know the amazing thing about that is that God's been stretching Joel and stretching Caitlin. And you know, they're not sitting in Zambia feeling sorry for themselves, thinking about what's here in North Alabama. In fact, you know what they say? They're in Zambia going, man, I'm glad I'm in this tent in Zambia. I feel sorry for those guys in North Alabama who don't get to do what we get to do. Because, see, always before increase, you're going to break out. You're going to go from the right and the left. But he said, you're going to have to enlarge a place of your tent. You're going to have to stretch your curtains and lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes because increase is coming. Are you listening to me? God will always stretch you before he increases you. There will always be that moment where we have to say, God, I'm willing to do what you want me to do. And when we do that, God stretches us. And as he stretches us, increase follows in our life. Joel and Caitlin have grown in their faith and grown in their ministry and grown in their peace and grown in their confidence. And God is using them and trusting them with villages that have never heard the gospel. Why? Because they were willing to be stretched. They were willing to say, God, I'll partner with Almighty God. There is nothing on this earth that can compare to what you have. And maybe in your situation right now, you've become locked in the place where you're looking at what you don't have. I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't go there. I don't know this. I don't work there. I don't have that. God is not afraid of our limitation. God is not intimidated about what we don't have. He's saying, I will walk in and become the head of your household if you'll let me stretch your life. I'll come in and be your provider. I'll come in and be everything you need. I'll bless you with my resources beyond what you're able to do. And you know, that's what Kingdom Builders is all about. It's not just us watching Joel and Caitlin stretch and the dozens of other missionaries we're connected to. It's not about that only. It's not about us putting some money in a plate so they go do our job. Listen, I should never send my money anywhere I wouldn't send my feet. Say that on this side of the church. I should never send my money where I wouldn't send my feet. Still pretty lukewarm. Don't make me go Revelation 3 on you right now, okay? All right. So here's the deal. I wouldn't send my money where I haven't sent my prayers. But the privilege, see, of connecting with somebody there. We're doing this with dozens. We, this, is just, this is real people we know, faces. I want to make it personal today. The, the privilege, the blessing of connecting with them is that as God is stretching them, he's stretching us. Do you understand that? He's stretching us. See, God's stretching me in kingdom builders. I, I, I always think I'm a big picture God, a faith God, a visionary. And last year was our very first year to do kingdom builders. And I, I, didn't, I just didn't know what to do. didn't know where to start. I thought $180,000 above tithe for a year would be an amazing start. And you guys blew me out of the water. 
242,000. So I said, okay, God, I need to take a step up. Forgive me. And I stretched me. And then this month, he's been stretching me some more. I said, okay, let's keep stretching me. And here's what I believe that God wants us to do. I believe that if we only do what we did before, we're not stretched. So instead of believing God that we can do what we did, I believe we ought to set another goal because there's another village on the other side of that other village on the other side of that other village. Anybody hear what I'm saying today? So I believe, what's our potential? Well, I, I said, how do I, do, how do I give to something like that? Well, I said, there's three words, plan, vision, dream. Plan, you, you, you work your plan. What am I going to do, God? What can I do? Here's my finances. Here's what I have. Uh, okay, this is what I can do. Start where you are. Remember, I've taught us that an offering is what you do above your tithe. So if you're not tithing, don't start with kingdom builders, start with tithing. So, Pastor, I want to do kingdom builders. Believe me, if you're not tithing and you begin tithing, you're helping kingdom builders every day. Make it away. So start tithing, and you'll watch the blessing of God. He'll order. What do we read today? He'll bless your plans, and you can begin to do that. If you're tithing, you say, what do I do? Well, first, I... I have a plan. This is what I'm going to do. I'm committed. I'm going to do it, the plan. But after the plan, you start having vision. Vision. Man, it's not just what I can do. What if God gets involved in this thing? See, you start getting stretched. Everybody with me? You're stretching. See, you know, somebody owns a business. They say, I'm going to commit a percentage of my business to this. And watch God bless that business and the percentage grows. And you did more than you ever dreamed. So vision, what do you do with the vision? You write it down. And what happens after Vision. What can God do? It's not me. Then you start dreaming. Man, what if? What if God got in this thing? What if I saw the hand of God? What if God stretched me? What if I said yes to God and God said, okay, start enlarging the place of your tent. Start stretching your tent curtain. See, you stretch before you increase. How many get that? You obey before you increase. You go before you see the harvest. You do what he said. And so we start seeing God work and move. So let's don't, let's, let's not just say God can do what he did. Let's not just say we can maintain. Let's set a new goal. Let's believe God. You ready? Let's believe God this next year. We're going to give $300,000 to kingdom builders. Anybody want to say pastor in Jesus name? Come on, let's do it. You know why? Somebody else needs something we have. We can do it. Let's don't just maintain. Let's stretch. I want God to stretch me. You want to be stretched? I want to be stretched. See, you always stretch before you grow. Listen with this. Ladies, I have no business talking about something you and only you can do, and I have no idea what it was like. Watch my wife twice. She became my hero. It's the birth of baby. There's something about you, you know, ladies, you, you start stretching because you're creating room for life. Thank, aren't you thankful it doesn't happen overnight? It kind of gives you nine months to get there, you know, stretch. Now, some of you guys look pregnant, but anyway, it's another deal. <laughs> you know that guy used to have a tattoo on his chest? of a canoe. Then he developed that big belly and it looks like a warship now. But anyway, uh, but, but that, no problem. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, but you know, anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, but ladies, you stretch. It's amazing. It's just amazing. You know? Why? Because you believe in that growth and the increase that's coming. And you know what, what happens to us? God did this for Calvary. We have two dream centers that were given to us given to us, the facilities. But do you think that was random? Oh, no, no. We gave an offering that stretched us to the max, to the Dream Center in Los Angeles that, that inspired us to our Dream Center. $85,000. One offer we gave to them. Now, i got to tell you, I've never given until it hurts, but that day I was on the edge of hurting 
It's just being honest and transparent. Why? Because we were believing God for a dream center here in Decatur. We gave it all away. Every penny's gone. You know the little lady that Jesus says, remember her? She gave her mites and gave all she had. I was like, I'm with you, lady. I can't. It's gone. I mean, it's gone. And I was happy to do it, but there was a little side of me, the human side, was like, ugh. Anybody honest? Come on. Okay. Okay. But we did that. Pastor Barnett, remember, came. We, many of you were there. We celebrated. Hallelujah. He was happy. I was like, we need to get this guy out of town. There's not going to be any money left if he doesn't go, 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 go. We love you. Go. But you know what happened? Because we let God stretch us. We were praying for a dream center. God gave us two dream centers. You see, you never have increase until you stretch. You never see what God can do until you do what you can do. He never asked you for what you don't have. He only asked you for what you do have. He said, lady, you got a little tent, but it's not big enough. But let's go to your little tent, and I need you to start stretching the curtain. See, she had lived in that one little one-woman tent. And God said, you've been praying for babies. Well, if you want babies, you better add on. If you want increase, you better do something. And so what we're saying is, God, we want to connect with the Joels and the Caitlins. We want to connect with the village that's never heard you. We want to connect with our friends that live around us here. And we're willing to do what you want us to do. And so we say, Lord, our ears are open. Stretch us. Speak to us. We'll write the vision down. We'll believe that you step in and can do something we can't do. Because you're that God. And you know what happens? You're blessed. Because that's what God's blessing. I want you to stand with me, Pastor Joy. Would you come? I want to pray a very important prayer before we go home. Come on, you to stand. Let's pray together right now. I don't want you to miss this prayer. God is stretching us. In my journey as the pastor of this church, can I tell you the truth, ladies? I feel your pain. I've got some stretch marks from pastoring this church. God has stretched me, pulled me a little bit. I had some days where I said, God, <laughs> did I really hear you say that? Is that really what you want us to do? Aren't you thankful for the stretching? Huh? Aren't you thankful for a vision bigger than you are? Aren't you thankful that we can connect to a blessing that will bless your home and your family and bless this region? We're blessed to be blessings today. I want us to pray. And, and, and the prayer I want you to pray is this. I want you to realize how important you are to God. How your pain matters to Him. How your struggle matters to Him. That you're not just a tool to accomplish His purpose. You're His heart's desire. You're the apple of His eye. You're why Jesus died on the cross. You're the reason that there are kingdom builders. Somebody had to tell us. Somebody had to pray for us. Somebody had to build the church that you were saved in. Somebody had to build the church your grandmother was saved in and prayed for you till you couldn't run any further. Come on. How many thankful for the people that wouldn't give up on you? They may not have been called a kingdom builder, but we, we, we just have a name and we defined it. I'm thankful today. I'm indebted today to a little church in a little town in Arkansas where my mom and dad raised me and I turned my back on God but they never stopped praying for me and I could run from a lot of things but you can't run from the spirit of God come on aren't you thankful somebody paid the price somebody prayed the price and we're here today you're so important to God 
And what God wants to do is take you to another level, stretch us. And we see God use us together to do something magnificent and amazing. Today, see, we don't take an offering right now. We don't do gimmicky things. This isn't, I preach all day to get an offering. No, I'm trying to teach us through a journey so we can hear from God. Say yes to him. Be obedient, responsive. Watch his hand come on our life. Right now, let's pray together. And let's be willing for God to stretch us another level. Father, in the name of Jesus. In fact, if you would, why don't you just raise your hands to the Lord right now. Lord, here we are. And we're saying yes to the stretching. (laughs) We're saying yes to the privilege of being used by God. We stand in your presence and we're so thankful we're part of your plan. We're so thankful we can buy the Bibles that went out. We're so thankful that we can go where we are. We can do what you want us to do right here in North Alabama. And we can help it reach to the ends of this earth. Stretch us. Don't let us live in a small tent when you have big plans for us. Don't let us become paralyzed by what we don't have when you are the God who is responsible for our life. So we say yes to you today. God, we need to begin to work a plan. We need to write down a vision. We need to hold on to our dreams because you have big things planned. Because you're moved with compassion. Stretch us, stretch us, stretch us, stretch us, stretch us, stretch us. You could, you could drop your hands. I want one final prayer. We'll go. Everyone praying with me, please. You know, today you're here and you'd say, Pastor, uh, I sense deeply in my heart that I want to be part of those that gather the harvest. I want to come back to God. I want to come back to his house. I want to make Jesus the savior of my life. I, I, I knew him, but I strayed. I, I once was close, but I've drifted. Lord, I, I want to be in the center of your will. I want to be the answer to heaven's prayer for a laborer. God, I've been wondering and I want to come home. I want to come back. I don't want to live another day without Jesus being Savior and Lord of my life. That's where you are in your journey. Would you just raise your hands right where you are, your hand, and and let me see you. I want to agree with you. Just make that commitment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to ask uh, our pastors and our congregational elders that are here, would you come, pastor and elders, to come? Some of our pastors in other areas today. But I'd like our congregational elders to come and join with our pastors. I want to pray this final prayer. Boy, many of you brave, honest guys raise your hands and say, man, it's my day. I don't want you just to walk out without somebody praying with you and agreeing with you. We're here to do that today. And so as I pray this final prayer, when it's dismissed, why don't you just come on up and we'd love to pray for you. No pressure, nobody to make you, but we're here to serve you in this big moment in your life. So Father, now I pray your blessing on this church family. You're stretching us and we say yes. You're stretching us and we're willing to see greater things. You're stretching us and we're so thankful to be a part of what you're blessing. To be on this earth doing what you would have us do. Now bless our church family abundantly this week in every area of their life. Their relationships, their finances, their work, their health. May your blessing rest on them, God. I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.